Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Jaguar Report Podcast Live after some extreme (laughs) difficulties here and there with the streaming process. It only took us three episodes to figure it out as long as you don't count the couple dozen or so beforehand. Yeah, I mean, huge things happening this weekend, John. Of course, the biggest of which is that we're figuring out how to do video stream for our podcast. We're hitting our stride the same time as the Jaguars. Okay, that's good. I like that. I got. I got to say, you were the Doug Peterson of this operation. Oh, that's nice, John. Are, is that just because you have a man crush on Trevor? I was the Bernie Parmelee. As the guy that talked about his last, last podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was the Bernie Parmelee. Okay. I deserve more well, credit than people think that Urban did. No, I, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, on, that, on that note, welcome to the Jaguar Report podcast. I, we're your host, John Shipley, Gus Logue. Gus, how you doing, my friend? My heart is still beating from four days ago. That's how I'm feeling. Uh, wow. I mean, where do we even begin? Jags just pulled off the third biggest comeback in playoff history, down 27-0. It was the first playoff game that a team with a 0-5 to um, turnover margin won the game. Is that correct? Yeah, it right? was. Yeah. All right. And Don't the, the that, turnover was the funniest of the game. The Chris Claybrooks one? Dude, <laughs> just hitting him directly in the head. That was, that was one of the funniest turnovers I've ever seen in a football game. In the moment, it was more somber than anything. But, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, it's like one of those games where – you know, the Titans game had a really dramatic finish. You know, obviously, super improbable scoop and score for a touchdown with a couple minutes left. But this one was even crazier. I mean, this this was – I mean, thinking of, like, the wildest Jaguars games from start to finish I've covered, I feel like the top five have all been this year. That one's probably, probably up there, like, number one. Yeah, I mean – I can't think of it as like a number one that it isn't like number one game that I've been to live number one Jags game that I've seen in general, number one Trevor game that I've seen as a pro number one Doug game as a coach for the Jags. Number one, number one, number one, <laughs> one win, one playoff win. <laughs> did, did you ever think at any point that the game was like, like over, like they were SOL? Oh yeah. I had to get talked out of leaving at halftime, honestly. <laughs> Thank goodness my friends talked some sense into me. But uh one one of my buddies was like, uh, I might leave at halftime and then just like the thought of my bed just like popped into my head. So I was like, mm, okay. And then someone else said, But Gus is the Chargers and I said, Okay, I'm all the way back in, I'm staying. That was all yeah. that I needed. Yeah. That's the Chargers. Yeah, man. See, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for leaving at halftime of that specific game, but <laughs> leaving at halftime. <laughs> Of that game, like, good lord. You know what it is? Is that at the stadium they were playing – I couldn't tell you what song it was, but it was like this band was playing. Do you know who was playing or what the song was? I can't I can't really hear uh, hear the music in the, in the press box, honestly. Well, it was like a 2010s pop song that was like a popular radio hit. Um, it's your generation. Trying to get the crowd riled up. And, like, everyone was just, like, sitting there in silence during halftime. Um but everyone stayed, and so 
you're a child. Came of, back. You're a child of 2010 pop. Don't give me that. <laughs> and it it felt like Maroon Five, but I don't think it was actually Maroon Five. I they know a Jags wild super wild card game. You're not you're not talking about yellow card, are you? Oh, that sounds familiar. Maybe that is who it was. The Ocean Avenue song. Yeah, that sounds about right. Was that it? The Ocean Avenue song. Even I know that I don't song. Know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so anyways. I, a good thing I did ask you. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. So everyone was like just sitting there in silence, pissed at halftime, but no one left. I mean, there was so many different plays throughout the game. Not even just the interceptions, but like Trevor had several misses on just like shallow crossing routes. And there was like, and then just like whatever botched missed tackles and opposing third downs happened. It was just like another stab into the heart, another twist of the knife. Um, but yeah, the fans were really resilient. I guess the team was as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I it was weird. Like I felt obviously time had a big reason to do with it. You know, three minutes of the game compared to over a half, but I felt more at times during the Titans game that they were going to lose than I felt during this game. Like, even when they were down 27-0, it was a mix of who the Jaguars have been this year and that the Chargers, they just they just have something in their DNA, dude. <laughs> it doesn't matter who yeah. the quarterback is, man. It doesn't matter who the coach is. The Chargers are going to Charger. Chargers going to Charger. Was there a moment specifically in the game for you where you thought, Oh, they're definitely losing this, or oh, they're definitely winning this. Um, when the ball hit Clay Brooks in the head is probably the moment I was closest to. Oh, they're gonna lose. Yeah. This. Uh, <laughs> a turnover like that happens, and you're you're normally just not winning that game. But honestly, not really, because I just felt like I, I I felt coming into the game that the Jaguars matched up well with the Chargers. That's why the first half like confused me so much. Like the Jaguars, like receivers are. Like their skill players in general, like obviously the refs were letting them play a little handsy, a little physical, but the Chargers were kind of gloving them up, and I I didn't expect that because you didn't see that happen in week three. So I you know I, I hate to give Brandon Staley any credit for you know mooching off uh, Vic Fangio and Aaron Donald, but Brandon Staley had a pretty good game plan in the first half. Yeah, did you see his comments today from the presser? Yeah, I, it, it sounds like me after I lose a Madden game. <laughs> Someone asked him today, did you feel like you were outcoached by Doug Peterson? And he responded, I didn't feel that way in the first half or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. But, I mean, he was kind of true. The Jags did run into a lot of problems. I mean, we can go interception by interception, but I felt like they were kind of targeting Asante Sammy the whole game, honestly, and he had a great first half and a terrible second half. Yeah, no, it, 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 in coverage, especially in the second half. And I know a lot of people, like, think that, that that run was, you know, aimed at him at the end. It, it wasn't. It felt like Travis Etienne just sunk at the edge and was like, oh, holy hell, I'm going to bounce this outside as much as I can. It, it just kind of took him to the corner. But Samuel it was somebody who, you know, he struggled in their first matchup. And, I mean, each of his interceptions was kind of – Kind of fluky, honestly. I mean, there there was that one where Trevor obviously got fooled. You know, the one where they were back up in their own end zone. Uh, they were running mesh, and he tried to get to Ingram on the underneath route. And right. uh, same with interception him. It looked like they had man on one side of the field 
which led Trevor to think, okay, Evans is going to be wide open, and they had Zone yeah. on the other side. And he just completely didn't see it at all. I, I, I know some people, uh, JT Sullivan, I think, point out that Ingram probably could have done a better job of not running directly into a defender, which <laughs> probably a fair point in hindsight. I don't know how he, how he missed him looking directly at him, but right. uh, that, that I think was his, probably his worst throw of the game. Did, I mean, what, where, where do you stand his interceptions? Because, like, the RPO throw, I struggle to blame him on anything because, like, if that throw wasn't deflected, it's probably like a 15-yard gain on the second play of the game. Right. Um, the one to Zay, you know, probably should have been P.I., but if the refs aren't going to call it, you know, if they're not going to call P.I., then, you know, Zay kind of got bodied by Samuel at the top of the catch point. And then mm-hmm. uh, the other one to Evan Ingram, I mean, that was a mix of a bad throw and them just, again, like not having anybody open at all. So, I mean, how do you kind of see the interception? Right. The RPO, I thought, wasn't on him at all because, as you said, there was plenty of space in front of him. You read it well. Like, the linebacker went to commit to the run and so just got tipped and then got tipped again. Uh, On their second offensive play, it was just kind of a what-are-you-going-to-do situation. Um, And then the Engram one uh, where he collided with Samuel on the mesh. I I would also say with with Trevor where it was, like, definitely an assumption throw where he just, like, saw a man on the one side and was like, okay, Engram's going to be here on the crosser. I'm going to fire it to him because I got pressure coming. And then Samuel just kind of, like, crept up behind him a little bit. Um, I mean, there was one that was kind of like a scheme interception, I'd say. Samuel's – like, the one that – okay, well, the one that Samuel kind of bodied Zay on was definitely Zay. We'll get that out of the way because Trevor was kind of throwing it to where he was going to be. I mean, that's – Zay just, like, wasn't able to complete the route. That was a good call by the Chargers, too. I mean, Staley, Staley was able, like, to scheme up, like, a free runner at Trevor. So, like, the timing, I right. felt like it was kind of rushing. Like, like, that I felt like was, a like, kind of a W by Samuel and Staley. Yeah, I mean, Samuel was just literally sitting where Zay was going to go. So, like, it's Zay's fault for, like, if we're going to assign blame. But it was definitely good defense by Samuel, even if he got, like, a little shove you. Um, sure. And then, like, this, the, the fourth one was, like – Scheme. I think it was just like a late rotation and Trevor was trying to force a throw. It was the fourth down one. It was the second one that Samuel just kind of like got in front on the crosser. Uh, so yeah, Staley kind of sort of had the hand in the first half. So it was all that plus the uh, Claybrooks fumble, the doink. And that was pretty much the first half up until Trevor's first touchdown, which was the Marvin throw. No, it was a uh, first touchdown of the Ingram. Oh, you're right. On the yeah. stick nod. I mean, well, well, I thought the defense, honestly, like, obviously you give up 27 points in the first half, but two of those touchdowns are super short fields. And another one, I think on the Claybrooks play, I want to say they held them to a field goal there. So, I mean, I, I honestly thought the defense played better than, you know, like the scoreboard. Like, you know, you, you, they, they got screwed, you know, five times with turnovers. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers won the turnover battle five to zero, but the Jaguars definitely won the red zone battle. And that was kind of the difference in the game on both sides of the ball. I mean, Trevor had several uh, deep to intermediate throws instead of them, like, just like, I don't know, flaking out in the red zone. And the defense, as you were saying, coming up with big stops. I mean, Mike Williams, has, like, it, if Mike Williams is in that game, I'm not sure, honestly, the Jaguars win. Because not only did, you know, they not have any semblance of a deep passing game, I think 
Herbert had more passes land out of bounds than he had completed, you know, like 15 yards downfield or something, something like that. You know, his passing chart, it, it was, it was despicable for <laughs> 70 yards on a rope. And I, I, I thought overall, you know, no Mike Williams, but they, they wouldn't be able to stretch the field, which, you know, you and I talked about before the game. And I was thought in the red zone, it felt like they were spamming all of their plays like at Keenan Allen. And he just, he's, He's just not that Keenan Allen anymore who, you know, like, yeah, I think he had a decent game. I want to say he had like six catches for 60-something yards, but I never at any point in the game was like, dang, Keenan Allen's killing them. <laughs> yeah, neither was I. I mean, there was like a couple of third-down conversions that were pretty big, but it w- wasn't really anything that they couldn't come back from. I mean, I was in disagreement with you before the game. I thought if Keenan had been ruled out, it would have made a bigger – impact on the Chargers offense than Mike Williams and you said the opposite and yeah I think you're I think you were right <laughs> they like yeah, <laughs> yeah wipe, wipe the dirt off a little bit but, yeah uh, Keenan 13 targets six catches for 61 yards 13 targets I didn't realize it was that many yeah I mean one other thing besides like obviously their run defense throughout the game was outstanding um and then the red zone defense and then, like, the bootleg concepts, I thought the Jaguars shut down. After their offense had kind of had some troubles with it, um, they were able to shut down an opposing one. I mean, Josh Allen, I thought, played another really good game. I mean, he uh, he obviously had the one sack, but I thought there were, like, several times where he was, like, you know, that, that close to getting to Herbert. And I don't know what you attribute, like, his run to, like, at, at all over the last couple games. I think this is probably, like, the best, like, the last three games is like the best stretch he's probably ever played because I want to say he had like nine pressures against Houston in the season finale, and then he obviously had an amazing game against the Titans, and then last week. So, it, I mean, the defense I thought in the first half stepped up, and then like you said, that touchdown to Ingram at the end of the first half—they don't win without that because you had to get some kind of points, you know, in the first half. And it, I thought it was one of Lawrence's better throws. Yeah, I mean, between two defenders, I don't really remember if he, if it was like the first place he looked or if he looked somewhere else first. But it was like, it was definitely a nice uh, little redemption score. What what, what percent? What percentage of his like blue chip like S tier throws go to Ingram? It feels like because he had another to Ingram after his first interception that was like yeah super, like, the corner super, yeah that was super. It it feels like oh, so many of his big throws are like the Ingram or Kirk. Like, yeah, they, Kirk. they only throw it the four guys. So, I uh, know it's probably limited pool there. The thing is, like, Engram will like, have the catches down the seam every once in a while, and, like, he had the stick not touchdown. But I feel like he does so much damage on, like, screens and shallow crosses, honestly, which he's really good at. But, like, so that's why I feel like the S-tier throws are more so to Kirk and, like, Zay Jones inconsistently. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, so going into halftime, it was just, like, at least we're not, like, being shut out. Like, three scores, okay. Like, there was a lot of good tweets after the game. Uh, my favorite one was probably Travis Etienne's, though, because he was, like, I felt like a, it felt like we were playing in a Madden game. And so, yeah. it was, like, that's what it was. It was, like, okay, you're just doing the math in your head. Three scores, like, that's, like, you can do that in not too much time. It, it felt like as soon as they got that first touchdown out of the half, too, that, yeah, they were obviously still down, like, I think 13 points. I want to say it was the the Marvin touchdown, yeah, the, where uh, Samuel, you know, you mentioned earlier, Marvin just 
completely put Samuel in a blender on on his route. It was one of the best routes I think we've seen Marvin run as a Jaguar. And it was against a guy who, you know, had had three picks up to that point. And I, once they scored that touchdown, I feel like you could feel every Charger fan in the world kind of like tied up and <laughs> just that dread start to hit them, dude. I, 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 I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you like that. That is the worst form of charging I've ever seen in my life. Oh, by far. I mean, for, like, all the accolades we were giving the Jags earlier, like, it's got to yeah. be, like, the lowest of low for that franchise. And, and, I mean, like, the Jags season had lost right there. Like, yeah, it no, would have stung a little bit, but they would have said, hey, we did better than anybody thought we could. You know, we're in – you know, we won the AFC South, et cetera. The Chargers had such high aspirations. <laughs> and yeah. then just your season snatched away by – the Jaguars, I, I, that, that's that's a tough one, man. I mean, because it. Give me your take. Do you do you think? Who do you think was the better quarterback during the game? Because you have to weigh obviously Lawrence's interceptions with his touchdowns, but was Herbert decidedly better than him? No, I mean, like I don't know how to like chalk that up to like the play calling versus the quarterback because as we already said, Vincent Barty's grandson. Was- <laughs> yeah, it's pretty limited. And then plus the Mike Williams injury um, and, like, no running game. So, like, I don't know. We've talked about how Trevor's gotten really no help in the past. I feel like that was kind of the same case with Herbert this year. He didn't really make any, like, insane throws. There was a sidearm, sidearm I mean, uh, around Josh Allen in the yeah. first or second quarter. That was crazy. And then, like, was that it? He missed the Keenan on, like, a touchdown later in the game. And so – I don't think it was like a bad Herbert game, and I don't think he deserves like blame for the loss. But I also don't think he outplayed uh, Trevor. Yeah, no, I, I thought that, it's wild to say like even with you know four interceptions, Trevor was still the better quarterback. And hey, I mean, I know you know Herbert has you know the ribs, the card he can play for the first matchup, and then Mike Williams didn't play this time. But does uh, does Trevor Lawrence own Justin Herbert? It's like, it like somebody said after, the, like, before the game, they're like, this settles the Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence debate once for all. And I'm like, who's ever debated that? I don't think I've ever seen that. Once for all. Yeah, but now that it started, man, I mean. I mean. If the, Jaguars win Saturday, if the Jaguars win Saturday, Trevor Lawrence will be 3-1 and one in his career against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Man. The Jags beat the Bills two years ago, right? Before Lawrence, sadly. No, they beat him last year with Lawrence. Yeah, so he's beat Josh Allen, too. Oh, he did lose to Burrow last year, though. Yeah, he did. So that's kind of like the top four or five. They also lost to Zach Wilson last year, so what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? I, 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 before we advance, I want to point out that it is so refreshing to not have to cover, like, any kind of coaching search, like, at all. Yes. I was thinking, like – this time last year was like the longest stretch of like just like being a Jaguars fan or reporter ever, I feel like. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. It's just no, waiting I'm... so long for a decision and then like just so many tops of toss ups of so many names. I'm going I'm going into hibernation after the playoffs. Um, you, 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 you you won't see me for a month once once the season's over. No, it... uh draft season is calling. <laughs> I have no interest right now. 
<laughs> I'm gonna see what kind of Frankenstein draft class they can put <laughs> together, and we're gonna ride ride with it from there. But uh, yeah, the like lesson, the example, I guess that from this year's coaching cycle that I've been watching from afar because it's like it's a weird year where only a couple of teams need a head coach, but the Jets' offensive coordinator search. I don't know if it's funnier them interviewing Nate Hackett or them letting LaFleur go, go because he had a what they called abundance of opportunities through their multiple media channels, and he's yet to have an interview in literally anywhere. Okay, so this just means that they got a sniff that Aaron Rodgers is interested in New York, and then they were like, all right, Hackett is coming here tomorrow. That's the only explanation, right? Because I laughed out loud when I saw the hack and news that he got an interview. And I was like, <laughs> is this just Rodgers, like, trying to get Rodgers again? Yeah. When has that ever happened before in, like, sports history? Like, Yeah. No. No. If there's, like, an NBA, like, recruiting thing. Salah. That, that, that entire, like, offensive coordinator list. And Washington's the same way. I saw somebody tweet out, like, a list of the guys they're interviewing and, it's like Ron Rivera knows like three people in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean that was another bad one. I like I like Scott. I like Scott Turner. Yeah, I mean hey, they, their quarterbacks are terrible, but hey, the Jaguars—they're they're not going to be looking for another coordinator until uh, Press Taylor is the <laughs> head coach of the Los Angeles Rams following Sean, McZ- Sean McVay's retirement. Shipley rumors. Okay. No. Do you think he's actually going to be a head coach in the next, like, five years? In the next five years? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a little bet with you on that one. If if Press Taylor is a head coach within the next five years, the next episode we do after he gets hired, you have to wear, like, a whiteboard, like, sign with any message I want written on it. <laughs> okay, deal. Ah, uh, deal. Uh, carry on. <laughs> Buy yourself a little bit of time to think of something. I like it. Oh, no, I'll think of something. <laughs> no, I know you will. I got my gears. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the second Lawrence touchdown in the third quarter, which was the Zay Jones touchdown. Yeah, it was. It, it, it looked like he audible on that one, like to me. Yeah. Did it look like to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely looked like it was an audible. And then, like, I didn't know whether to give credit to, like, Peterson or Trevor, but then I watched sounds of the game last night and like multiple people are coming up to Trevor and saying like, great check, bro. Great job. Like not just like the great throw, which is gorgeous. So it was like one of those ones you watch in slow motion and like the laces are. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> I love that. That, that was my favorite guest moment. <laughs> I'm going to, what's what shotgun said? I'm going to seal that up and. Keep it, keep it with me. I'm, keep it with you. Dude, dude. No, it, it really was like watching it. Like, you know, you see Zay break open late and him wind back to throw it. And I don't know if it was the PTSD in me, but for like a split second, I was like, what if he doesn't catch? <laughs> uh, I was a little more worried about the throw, honestly. Cause like, yeah. I was at the point of the game where I was like kind of like guessing play calls with my friends to try to like make it more entertaining. So I was like, not for every single one, but like, like I saw that the safety was over on the right side, and I was like, this is a Zay, this is a Zay touchdown right here, and then so I'm basically I'm Trevor Lawrence slash Press Taylor, right? Yeah, no, uh, more, or Doug Peterson beginning of the show. 
More, more or less, more or less. I mean, from what did, did you feel like Doug was doing anything differently in the second half, like compared to compared to? No, I like he ran a ton of mesh in both halves, even after yeah. like the interception. Exactly. And then like it was like he has like his like outside staple concepts of like smash and spot. That's like in every other playbook that he like spams those, and then curls is like another one that he like is obsessed with. So, like, I was thinking earlier, like, we, like, kind of talked about, like, the silly special last week and how we thought he might have something, like, in his bag for this game. And he did with the T-formation play that we'll talk about later. But before that, like, I'd say it was maybe another bland play or another bland game for him. Uh, a lot of trees have died for that T-formation play. Also, <laughs> it's Wednesday and we were still still talking about it, damn it. It was the game winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. play made it, a century ago. It was it a great was, play. I thought it was the best play in Jaguars history. And why but, wouldn't we still be talking about it? You're sick with the play, John? They have a game in three days. I mean, <laughs> if we were podcasting Friday, I would still mention it. We're talking about the game. Fair enough. So, all right. The big touchdown was cool. It was – it was a nice play, like design. Even if Peter, even if Trevor's the one that threw it and checked into it, Peterson's clearly the one that like game planned it, it. It felt like it like took all of like the wind out of like the Chargers. Like, if there's any one play that like broke their back, it felt like it was that one. Right. Uh, quick scheme scheme breakdown. I guess the reason it was so wide open is because the Jags had trips, and the Chargers played a cover three coverage uh, called tricks, and so Derwin James basically, like, was supposed to sit on any crossing routes coming over from the chip side uh, to simplify it. And so Christian Kirk was, like, the first guy on the inside on the trips formation, and he just ran right at Derwin and then sat down on, like, a, a kind of, like, a over-the-middle comeback route. And then Zay just kind of, like, like took off behind him in the middle safety, just wasn't anywhere close to him. So, so it, right. it, where did, what did, like, Trevor read that made him, like, you think, like, change to that? Is it just, like, where, where safety was aligned? Yeah, I think it was, the, like, alignment of the safeties, like, based on, like, the trips formation. I mean, like, I just, like, saw that there was, like, like, if I could see it from the stands, I don't know. I'm not trying to pat myself in the back too much because, like, there was plenty of plays that, like, I was, like, Zay, touchdown, and then it was a sack. But, like, I don't know. If I could see that the safeties were all the way over there, then I'm sure he did, too. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm sure, fair. I'm sure plenty of other people in the stadium saw the same thing. And we're yeah. like, even if it wasn't, say, like, please hit a crossing route over to the other side. Yeah. And no, so the Chargers thought the same thing. So they were kind of sort of in defense for it. Yeah, it I was feel like, like it was one of those, like, I know what you know, what I know what you know plays. I feel like his condensed formations help out with that, too. Like, I, I think, like, Next Gen Stats posted, like, they were, like, like 29th or something like that and, like, average, like, width of like the offense like they were super spread out last year like they were like a higher spread offense and now they're like top 10 or something and like just in terms of like how compact like they are i feel like that does a good job of helping guys get open to like that doug is you know he's a maestro out there Mm -hmm. and like that's a good point because like from like condensed formations the marvin touchdown was also like an out the kirk touchdown which we'll get to later was also an out and so I guess that was like a tweak because that's the thing with Doug is like he runs his staples and he runs his plays. So like 
I guess it shouldn't be shocking to see mesh pop up throughout the game. Like yeah. a tweak in formation. I guess we just kind of solved it out by talking about it. It, it was literally me playing Madden, dude. Like, I, there's no player I love playing in Madden more than <laughs> Mesh, especially when you're against Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm, yep. I'm terrified to throw it over the middle, like, when they're using a linebacker, so I just dump it underneath. And it, uh, it, I mean, it, it, it felt like, you know, overall a, a good game plan. And another thing is, I noticed they used a lot more tempo in the second half, which, you know, you can do yes. more tempo when you're not throwing the ball to the other team. But if <laughs> it feels like Trevor is just better when the game's going faster because he, like, I, I'm I'm not sure like the best like comparison like for him like basketball wise I want to say he's like almost like a Giannis type where he where he's like you know this like giant you know obvious physical freak but he can still do like he, like the technical stuff and be like kind of the point guard of the entire offense and like kind of just distribute things like instantly and immediately and I I feel like just when he's in a hurry up and I know we used to say this about Blake Bortles and I feel like people have probably everywhere says it about every quarterback, but just when he goes tempo, it feels like he's a different dude. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I forgot that was definitely another second half adjustment. Even if it was more mesh, uh, they definitely picked it up and that definitely like had an influence on the chargers defense. Um, so after the Zay touchdown was the Marvin touchdown. Is that correct? Yeah. Then it was the Kirk touchdown. Or the Marvin touchdown was actually before the Zay touchdown. I just sure. it on for a football reference. I could have let it slide, but sure. So it was Marvin on the out, great route. And then it was Zay on like the great play call and check. And then it was Christian Kirk, which like he kind of like tore it up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. No, a bunch of big plays. That was like obviously a great throw, but that was an incredible catch. That like touchdown catch on the corner. That was just in, in that play and. The catch he made down the right sideline on the last drive of the game, where it was only like a 10 or 11, 12 yard gain, but it was like super contested and he was able to barely get his feet in bounds. He was worth every, like every penny. Cause I mean, that something every offense needs is the guy who can make the tough catches in the high leverage situations. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if he's not the biggest guy out there. I mean, he was that guy on Saturday. Yeah, he was like, the touchdown pass, it was, like, so impressive. Like, he had a really nice route at the top of the stem. But then also, like, Trevor's throw is technically, like, slightly behind him. And so he did a really good job of kind of, like, boxing the guy out. I think it was Brian Callahan. Yeah, it was. Box, boxing him out to be able to, like, go up and make the catch. So. Well, I, kind of like a, oh, it was uh, Bryce Callahan. <laughs> Who's Brian Callahan? <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> No, and, uh, yeah, that was that four touchdowns and four drives. Yeah, and then I mean that obviously brought us to the last drive. You know, I mentioned the Kirk play. There was another Kirk play where Kirk was able to get some yards over the yards after the catch, or, yards over the catch. Jesus, <laughs> yards after the catch over the middle. That's going to be the next uh, stat. That that's absolutely terrible. Yards over the catch expected. Yep. That, that that's that. Uh, that's my new least favorite stat that overexpected. Like CPOE, I get, but I hate rushing yards overexpected. I hate it. I like it just because of who's at the top. It's pretty favorable for uh, ETN. Yeah. So I'm I mean, like, oh, yeah, it's a great stat. You attribute that to him, like having like 60 yard runs when it's like 59 yards after contact or whatever. Yeah. 
Well, that's why success rate comes in. You gotta look at both. Fair enough. Numbers guy thing. Look at you. <laughs> look at you. All right. Uh, so one thing we sort of skipped over going over the touchdowns with was a bunch of huge decisions by both teams. There was the decision by Doug to go for it for two and they didn't go for it or that they missed, um, which was after the Zay touchdown. Yeah. They went for it. It was a missed throw to Zay again. Um, but I that like one, that they went that, for two there. That was pretty I'm normally all for like refs like letting them play, and, but like that one like should have been a flag. <laughs> Once you get like some face mask, you should probably throw that one. But nah, nothing on that one. Nah. And then obviously with the Joey Bosa penalty later, <laughs> uh, they were able to go for two from a one yard line, and Trevor just stretched out doing his best, like Michael Jordan from Space Jam, dunking did, the ball impression. Did you see the Joey Bosa interview about refs? I like uh, saw what he said, like written out in words, but I didn't hear like him say it, it which sad. I like, which I know I should have to go back and do. No, sure listening to it, it, listening to it, and the Joey Bosa syntax makes it makes it <laughs> makes it ten times funnier. And it, there are so many things that I miss during the game. Like I saw him slam his helmet on the ground during the game, but like my eyes were scanning so many places that I moved on after that. I didn't see until after the game that Staley gave him the helmet back and <laughs> he threw it back down. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that off of the game either, but that was awesome. And I don't know if he was like mad about like thinking that they were holding him. He obviously wasn't hundred percent. I mean, Doug Peterson even right. said that he wasn't like hundred percent. And but uh, maybe that, maybe he thought Jawan Taylor was false starting, which people complain about. You know, opposing teams players every week, even though. Jawan Taylor has like said like he talks to refs every single game and they're like no you're <laughs> you're not false starting like he just he literally just times it that well like it's he knows when the ball's being snapped so it's not hard to conceive that you know he's just you know timing it perfectly and he's that athletic it's like the same thing as like a defensive lineman having an explosive get off and I, I don't know if that made him mad because I do know there are instances where opposing players do get pretty pissed about Jawan, thinking that he's false starting, even even though he's not. I don't know what it was, but he was he was unhinged. He, he was he was he unwell player of the week, Jerry <laughs> Unwell oh, player. I love that, John. That's that's like our first. That's gonna be our first official segment. Yeah. No, that was. Oh man, I, I, is it resentment over Nick Bosa being clearly better? I mean, I I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of things. It's got to be that. It's got to be like he's not 100% healthy. It's got to be the Jawan, like not actually, but it looks like it false starts. The fact that they're losing and like letting it come back. The fact that it like maybe if I wasn't getting help from his coaches or players and it just like all boiled up into two separate helmet flings. On does, does Jawan Taylor and Walker Little, dude, you know, I asked the Trevor Lawrence owns Justin Herbert. Do Walker Little and Jawan Taylor own Joey Bosa? I mean, yeah, I think so. And Khalil Mack for that measure. I mean, yeah, Bosa, Bosa and Mack had zero pressures against uh, Little. I think Taylor gave up four pressures, and I want to say most of those were against Mack. I thought Mack had, like, one where he beat Little, but maybe Trevor got rid of it quick enough that it wasn't a pressure. Penalty, baby. Oh, it was a penalty. Nice. Uh, doesn't count. Good stuff. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform 
that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Like, it's obviously a question for down the road. Like, I, I've i been asked it every time I've posted, like, a Walker Little, like, stat or article or something. Like, people asking, you know, okay, what do you do with Walker Little? I have no interest in debating it right now or, like, breaking it like that. Yeah. Because, you know, there's still, like, a season going on. But that's caused quite a... Quite a conundrum moving forward, hasn't it? And who 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 would have thunk? You know, <laughs> who who would have thunk that Walker Little, you know, like if it wasn't for both his injury and then COVID happening right at the same time, he would have been, in my opinion, a top fifteen pick. I mean, I thought for sure first rounder, just based on like reading articles and scouting reports and just anything that was kind of posted before the COVID season. There was like everyone kind of thought he was the next first round tackle for sure. Yeah. And like I think like our conversation from last week is pretty relevant in terms of interior pressures, outside pressure. Because like Jags were able to hold up against two premier pass pressures, even if they weren't at their prime or at their best. But like against the Titans, Jeffrey Simmons did a lot of damage. And then next week is gonna be uh Chris Jones. So that'll be definitely be one of the bigger storylines. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Walker, just uh, you and I are both fans of how he played last year. I think he's been better this year. I, I, I thought in training camp that he was, if he was able to see the field, he would have a better year because he just physically looked different in training camp. Like he looked a lot stronger. And I think that's kind of reflecting, you know, on tape. But I mean, that, that 2021 draft class from Bulky, man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Trevor hit, ETN hit. Walker hit, Campbell hit, Cisco hit, Luke Farrell. I mean, honestly, you know, I think Luke Farrell is a guy. He some snaps. <laughs> yeah, Luke Farrell. He, I, he puts on a uniform. Luke Farrell was a hit. Yeah, they should have <laughs> they, they they kept. They kept Jay Tefele, obviously. Uh, John, you do not want Luke Farrell was a hit on your record. Luke Farrell was a hit for where he was picked. Sixth round? I thought they took him in the fifth. fifth yeah, fifth. yeah, fifth round side in. Nah, he's a he, he's a he's a fine blocker and a better young man. No, he he's a <laughs> <laughs> he, urban. He comes from a good family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for, okay, for a fifth round pick, you, you you could do worse than Luke Farrell. You could do worse. You could They're do something like a new Sue Connor. Yeah, they've done worse than Luke Farrell. I, I, I think the 2021 class, if if you would have just kept the fella, like it already looks like a home run, but if you kept the fella, then that class is like GM of the year. I completely forgot. Yeah. Totally forgot he was in that class. Do you know if he's done anything for the Bengals? Because I feel like I saw a pretty cool preseason highlight. He, he had a stretch. Sense. He had a stretch during the regular season where he was, but – they had a lot of like injuries at the time, and I think since guys have come back, he's kind of back to being backup. But Jags don't need him. They got the anchor himself, Corey Peters. <laughs> I, Corey Peters versus the Titans won the five 
one of my five favorite Jag performances I've seen in the last couple of years. I, it, it was absolutely hilarious. It was, it was inspiring. Yeah. It might've been like the best snap for snap, just like over <laughs> performance over expectation. Okay. You like that new stat slash bit slash graphic slash slash. Uh, I think he is up there. Number one <laughs> in my performance over expectation metric. You're the unwell player of the week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Joey. We're only going to do one. Speaking of interior guys, though, like guys who like have had to step up since the one smooth went down. I mean, Roy Robson Harris. I mean, he he's been on an absolute tear lately. You know, I, I post after game. He's the first guy in a playoff game to ever have four tackles for loss, two pass breakups, and a sack. And he was the seventh guy to ever do in any game. And JJ Watt did it like three times. So it's like. And if it was something like only JJ Watt has basically done, then yeah. you, you had like, and it seemed like it was that dominant of a game watching it. Like Roger Hobson Harris was like absolutely phenomenal. And I feel like it's been that way for the last couple of weeks now. Every play felt so huge too. Like you could feel the impact on every like quarterback knockdown and every tipped pass. Like they're all felt like on massive plays. And so for like a guy that like, I kind of felt like disappeared a little bit in the middle of the season, especially when like, the Jags were getting gashed a little bit against the run. Um, he's definitely stepped up big time. And like the offensive tackle situation, it's going to present some questions in the offseason. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, he was a guy that seemed like people were automatically, like, you know, they see the cap, his cap hit for next year and what they say. Yeah, and they, yeah. And, I mean, me too. You know, every time I've been asked it. But, man, if, if, you, if you can bottle whatever has gotten into him these last couple games and keep it moving forward, like, because – I asked Mike Caldwell about it today, and he said that he has stepped up since the Smoot injury. That got me to thinking. It was like, wow, you know, he really, like, when Smoot was playing, he really wasn't a part of their pass rush package, like, at all. Like, like Robertson Harris wasn't. You know, he was, like, a complete afterthought, you know, as a pass rusher. And I know so, some of his success, you know, like, against the Titans, he had a sack that was kind of created by Trayvon Walker forcing, you know, Josh Jobs to come up. But, I mean, we've said it for, it feels like, years now, especially with Josh Allen, that – all the Jaguars need is somebody who can create consistent pressure in the middle. And so many of these like, like pressures there because the Jaguars, I want to say are like top three or top four in the league and pressures this year and, and pressure rate, despite being in the bottom, like quarter of teams and sacks, all they need is that guy in the middle who can kind of clean up those sacks. And so far he's been that guy the last couple of games. So yeah, like you said, like tackle there, there are some interesting conversations to, to be had there. Yeah, Herbert took three sacks on the game, and, like, each one of them, it was definitely, like, just felt like the pocket, pocket collapsed into him from, like, the outside, but also definitely the interior just going right up to him. And so, like, he didn't really have anywhere to step up or deliver a throw. Yeah, my, my guy's eye on Johnson had a rough one. Mm, yeah, he's had a tough season in general, hasn't he? He's a up and down. He's, he's a rookie. He's a rookie guard. He'll be all right. Screw you. <laughs> I am interested to see what the Jags do in free agency. I mean, this is the season still going on, so it's a longer talk for another time. But like, how many guys they bring back is like huge because it's like, then it would feel like 2017 again, where it's like you're trying to replicate the exact same season. It's like, it's cool if you want to like extend guys to like lower cap hits and like, but you got to do it smart. Don't get don't don't get caught up too much in like our the t- past two Super Bowl weeks for Jacksonville. No, they they should they should do the twenty eighteen thing again and 
let the best player walk in free agency and sign <laughs> Moncrief and Andrew Norwell. <laughs> All right, yeah, that'd be a good plan. That works too. Yeah, that's still still the funniest tweet I've seen in Jaguars history is after one game when Moncrief like dropped a pass and like uh, uh, that's obviously not super specific because there are several of those. Somebody <laughs> was like. Uh, Moncrief is a sacred name in Jacksonville. You need to change your name to like Bayland or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, fair enough. He's not. He's not repping. He's not repping. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, that's good. Uh, the game ended on a Riley Patterson field goal that just eked inside the uprights. I, I didn't was- know how close it was until I saw the video after. Me. Like, yeah, I was watching like the refs because it. From the press box, it's such a hard angle to see unless they completely shank it. So I was watching yeah. the refs and the crowd reaction, and it wasn't until I got home and I saw a video, and I was like, oh, that, that was so close. Right. Like, it, it went up, and it looked good from, like, both, like, our angles and then, like, the TV broadcast. And then I did the same thing as you. For my angle, I looked at the fans and the refs just to see watch hands go up. Uh, but it went in. Thanks to the T formation. Thanks to that great play from four whole days ago. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk real quick before we move on to the Chiefs, the T formation. Gus, go ahead and give your your interlude, you know, whatever you had to give, your ode to the T formation. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, it was created back in 1910 by John F. Football. Pop Warner, I believe, was his name. <laughs> No, it it, it was it was a brilliant play call. Like I said, I think it's the best like single play call like in Jaguars. Like you can go, you know, maybe the Tommy Bohannon touchdown, maybe the David Garrard like fourth and fourth and whatever run against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I mean That's this, huge. yeah. But I mean this just in terms of creativity because when they call a timeout, I figured that. Yeah, Doug was going to pull out, you know, something out there. But, I mean, it was the most, like, Andy Reid play. <laughs> like, and, and Doug is full-on Andy Reid because they it feels like they do one trick play a week. Like, one, like, like play a week that's completely out there. And, like, Press Taylor said today that they had an inspiration for a play against the Texans that he that he got from Twitter. and He texted it to Phil Rauscher and, like, Bo Jackson did it. And they're like, hey, this play would be cool. And they ran it with Jamal Agnew and Press was like, it did not work. <laughs> and so Agnew is not Bo Jackson, but I mean, it's, it's like the most Andy Reid thing ever for them to just come out with these like super weird plays each week. And when they came out on T formation, I, I was expecting quarterback sneak and like everybody was just going to push, like push Trevor. Like I, I, I wasn't expecting an off tackle run at all. And, and honestly, I will still say I'm kind of surprised they didn't get called. We're holding. Uh, I like on the replay. I was like, eh, live, live, live. It looked like you did. I wasn't. I didn't notice it live, but like, I mean, it was just like you said. It was like clearly lining up to pretend to go for a quarterback sneak, and then get Etn outside, and the rest is Jaguars history. I, I thought Etn staying in bounds as a young player. I mean, just like having that kind of awareness. That was one of the best things he's done all season. Yeah. I also noticed, like, Jags players, like, hustling to get out of bounds after catching the ball in, like, the third quarter at midfield. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive by them or the coaches that told them that or whatever. They're they're really good at, like, the small details, which is something that, you know, even, like, the 2017 team was 
you know, not as good at. You know, mm-hmm. Sands, Alan Hearns crawling off the field. <laughs> um, all right. Who deserves the most flowers in this game, the most recognition, the most credit in order? Trevor, Doug, Mike Caldwell. I want to go Mike Caldwell because, I mean, dang, that, that, I'll go Doug because being that, like, that win is like a testament like to their culture and like to his leadership for it to be 27-0 and for them to just not kind of mail it in because, yeah, we, teams do that. You know, I've seen Jaguars teams do that. I've seen Jaguars teams mail it in like 10-0. But it, it's like <laughs> they, they could have easily, you know, waved the right flag. So I'll go Doug. Trevor, you want to because the second half was so special. But, you know, even if you don't count, you know, two of the interceptions, he still threw, you know, two terrible interceptions that led to Chargers points. And Mike Caldwell right, definitely, you know, deserves to be mentioned. But, you know, like you said, the Chargers, I mean, they, it felt like their offense, they were playing like with a hand tied behind their back without Mike Williams. You know, I mean, it, again, it's, just imagine being Vince Lombardi's flesh and blood, and you're you're not good at coaching football. And like they just like there's <laughs> they had they had like nothing. Like we said when Mike Williams was ruled out, the Jaguars can focus everything on the middle of the field, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I I mean I would say for Caldwell, like I would say he gets the most recognition just because it's like a full game because. Like, I think Peterson was doing maybe, like, a little bit of, like, Tessa Waters, we'll see what's happening, and then be able to adjust, and that's what he did. And that's what they've been doing throughout the season. Um, but, like, both Trevor, as you said, like, he's responsible for two of the interceptions. Like, the offense didn't play a full 60 minutes, and, like, I was just impressed that the defense did. Like, yeah, they let up touchdowns, and they let up a few, like, not back-breaking first downs, but, like, rough first downs. So it wasn't a perfect game, but – it was a pretty dang impressive game from the defense. And so, like, I be, I was, like, I was thinking, like, Mike Caldwell, maybe he's in the hot seat uh, after the week one, honestly, and then again at midseason, just because, yeah. like, because of his lack of adjustments. But, like, he's just been shut down the past couple of weeks. I mean, both the fact that they've been so good on defense the last couple of weeks and clutch on defense and the fact that, I mean, you're seeing, like, staff start to be put together now. I, I don't think the Jacks would – put themselves behind the eight ball and be like, okay, we're resetting on defensive staff, you know, after other teams have already been doing it for a week. So I think just the fact that the Jags are still playing has kind of, you know, not, not I don't want to say save this job because I'm not sure his job was ever in danger, but it's kind of solidified that, you know, they're going to be, you know, ran by the same, same guy on defense next season. Right. Well, it also like gave him a chance to quote unquote, save his job, I would say, because, I mean, as much as, like, the Chargers were hampered by Lombardi and Williams being out, and then, like, they played, like, a clown cast of quarterbacks in the month before that, you got to give them credit for no touchdowns allowed in the past five weeks, I think. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Pretty crazy. If, did the Chargers score 20 points if Trevor doesn't throw any interceptions? Uh, I don't think so. I think they scored, like, 17 yeah. Like 20, 20 is like the cap, I would say. I agree with you. I agree with you. So, um, yeah. And then Doug, after that, I couldn't find it, but Dan Orlovsky had a pretty good quote 
or tweet after the game that was basically like Doug's like I I gotta know what I'm more impressed with with Doug like the X's and O's or like the whole culture and locker room and coaching aspect of like his overall performance tonight. So, like again, like the it was like the sounds of the game was so cool because like you could tell like just from watching the game that the players never wavered, but then to kind of like hear the conversations on the sidelines was super cool. Um, And Trevor was like kind of up and down throughout the game. Like he had some misses like through through the fourth quarter. It's not like he was like 16 of 16, like in the second half, but like he had some serious heat checks. Oh no. The difference was just like, it's getting those like touchdowns, converting touchdowns. And he was able to in the playoffs. Yeah, no, he, he absolutely was. And I, I thought, you know, like such a big thing was, you know, Doug still having them, you know, like, like we had said, still having them with their heads in the game because there's so many instances where they could have, you know, saw a quarterback throw four interceptions and a defender could be like, all right, that's it. You know, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're screwed today. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I definitely thought it was a, uh, and Mike, I, I, I know Doug said after a game that, you know, it was, one of, you know, the more impressive wins of his career. I think, you know, after the Super Bowl win, I think it's probably right up there. Yeah. I mean, I think, did he say top five or just top kind of up there? He just says one of them. I mean, it's got to be a third. When it's the third biggest playoff comeback ever, it's got to be like for anyone on anyone's list. Uh, unless you're out Michaels, but. Is there any 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 other notes that you had before we oh, move on? Oh, Michaels needs to needs to let it go. It was so tough because like me and a lot of other people were like excited that he was calling that game. I was like almost like like oh man like too bad I'm going to the game because like it would be cool to listen to Al Michaels. So thank goodness I was wrong about that too. I've decided to stop taking melatonin at night and instead I just listen to Al Michaels calls. <laughs> Him and Tony Dungy. Oh, Tony, man. Tony, cat litter, Dungy. I don't. Yeah, Tony didn't help him out at all from the broadcast. From what I heard, like, like there was just gaps of silences, and then like, like from what I heard on like the last call for the field goal, it seemed like they were like looking at like a graphic or something, and like just weren't paying attention. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, it's happening now. There must have been a penalty because I wasn't paying attention. Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on to the Chiefs game, the Jaguars will play in Kansas City at. 425 Eastern on Saturday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, it's a rematch of their Week 10 game. Chiefs won again in Kansas City 27-17. to They got out to a 20-0 lead, I believe. Uh, then the Jags fought back a little bit. But it was one of their two or three, like, mul- losses by multiple scores on a season. And after the Chiefs game, the Jags had a bye and since then, they've only lost one game, which was at Detroit. So, John, any takeaways from that Week 10 game? Or is it kind of like we were talking about last week where it was so long ago, it feels like a different season? Like, I, I do think it's so long ago, it feels like a different season. Like, Trevor was obviously just starting to heat up when that game happened. Uh, they're playing, like, a different style of defense and guys in different positions now than they were then. You know, you obviously have a few different starters, uh, Cam Robinson's not there. DeWan Smoot's not there. So I, I, I do think it is kind of a different season, but I also look back to that game and, you know, the Jaguars forced three turnovers 
but they had two missed field goals and a touchdown negated by an offensive lineman down the field on an RPO. I mean, that that's a game that it, it should have been a lot closer than it was. You know, like, yeah, the Jaguars, they went down big, you know, by multiple scores in that game. And it was a game that it shouldn't have mattered, though. Like, they, they lost that game kind of entirely by their own doing. Definitely. Well, I was like, kind of like sloppy play too. We just talked about how the fine details have been showing up for the Jaguars, like just bad tackling and like Kadarius Tony's biggest NFL game. I feel like, um, like Devin Lloyd was like, whatever the opposite of teach tape teach tape is, was like Devin Lloyd's performance. Cause they were like targeting him the entire game. And they were, that was like the game that Chad Muma came in for Lloyd and Lloyd was benched. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. So that was like, that was like the biggest thing that I remember from that game was just, how the Chiefs offense kind of like had their way with Lloyd. And so like, I think there's been a couple of adjustments by the defense since then of like moving players around and like getting more familiar. The defensive line has been on a different plan in the past month, but Devin Lloyd's got to step up on Saturday. Yeah, no, it hundred percent. And uh, the Chiefs, you know, they're obviously, you know, Travis Kelsey is the biggest, like, got to watch. I mean, Gerald Everett just had, you know, 100-something yards and a touchdown against the Jaguars. If Gerald Everett's doing that, then, you know, Travis Kelsey has to be the guy. To, I, mean, I mean, Titans had a big game against the Jaguars, you know, a week before that with the Titans. You know, I want to say the Jaguars are, like, the 30th or 31st in DVOA against Titans this year. Like, they, yeah. they, they've just struggled with Titans all season, which – Makes sense when you consider, you know, Foyer isn't exactly a coverage guy, and then they've had a rookie linebacker no matter what next to him. So the biggest thing is, I mean, how do you stop Travis Kelsey? And that that's harder to do against the Chiefs, not because like they have like some established outside like weapons, like they don't have Tyree Kill or anything like that. But I mean, just the the presence of Reed himself, like he's going to throw more at you than just. You know Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's not he's not Joe Lombardi, who's just you know going to be like restricted to throwing to you know Keenan Allen basically the whole time. So I I don't know what their answer can be for Kelsey other than you know the the rookie is growing up fast. Right. I mean, I agree with that. I, Kelsey is definitely kind of like the key to the game. He's he's got to be the number one guy on this target to slow down. But I mean, one thing that's going to be different also about Week Ten is just the Chiefs receivers on the outside will be healthier and kind of more available because Juju left in the second half after a big Andre Cisco hit. Uh, Miko Harbin didn't play at all. And then it was like one of Kadarius Tony's first games. And so since then, he's just been able to do a little more in the system, even though he did plenty against Jacksonville. So, I mean, they got a lot of weapons. I think one advantage Jacksonville could have in a game is in the run game just because of how their defensive line has performed and how mediocre Kansas city's running backs are. But at the same time, this will probably also be like the best offensive line the Jaguars have faced in some time. Uh, I'll say this though. I will say this. Josh Allen versus Orlando Brown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to. Yeah. Outside is like, we're going back and forth between like inside and outside, uh, rushes and like or pressure and its effects i would definitely say like this has got to be a him and like trayvon walker yeah, game because yeah, I, I mean like the chiefs like their strength is their interior like it's like the opposite of the jaguars offensive line right like their their strength is their interior whereas yep the jaguar strength is 
you know, on, on the edges. Because, I mean, the Chiefs tackles have struggled. All, like, Andrew Wiley has struggled all season long. 100%. I mean, Creed Humphrey, um, Trey Smith at right guard, and then left guard Joe Tooney, like the highest paid guard in the league, or at least one of them. He had signed his contract a couple years ago. But those are, like, three players you could, like, argue for a Pro Bowl. So, I mean, the Chiefs is just such a – Hard team, like to like really prepare for, just because I mean, there's so many like blue chip players everywhere. Like they have the best quarterback in the league, you know, they have the best tight end in the league. They have, they have, you know, if we're just talking strictly 2022, Chris Jones is the best interior lineman in the league. You know, Thuney is probably the best guard in the league. Humphrey's up there with the best centers. Like they just, they they just have an unbelievably stacked roster. Yeah, it's good. They, uh, I would say another. Difference from week 10, maybe, is McDuffie, their uh, rookie quarterback, has moved into the slot a little bit more. And so, like, Kirk, I would say, has been, like, the offensive MVP of the past two games because Lawrence really just had, like, an unbelievable second half. But Kirk has been, like, I think probably has best two games as a Jaguar in the past two games for, like, the two, like, quote-unquote, Super week, Super Bowl weeks that it's felt like the past two weeks. So, like, yeah. him versus the rookies, like, a big one to watch, I'd say. And, I mean, Kirk had a big day against the Chiefs earlier in the season, and he should have had a bigger one. I mean, he dropped a 40-yard pass, and he had, like, a 100-yard, two-touchdown day that game anyways. So, Christian Kirk, Devin Lloyd, Travis Kelsey, uh, you got any other matchups? Uh, I mean, Brandon Sheriff from Chris Jones, obviously. I feel like that's right. That, that's like King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, I mean, that's – uh, obviously, Sheriff hasn't been, you know, guard one like Chris Jones has been, like defensive lineman one. But I, I, these are the type of games that you sign a guy like Sheriff for, you know. Like these are the games that you hope to really make back on that investment is, you know, games like this because I Chris Jones. I mean, he's he he's rare because he's so powerful, but he's also so like athletic and lean. Like he reminds me of like. He's like Malik Jackson, uh, like like in like some of the ways he wins are speed. But he's like if Malik Jackson had like a power element to his game. You know, Malik Jackson was mostly finesse and stuff. And like Chris Jones, he's kind of built similarly. You know, super flexible, super explosive, but he can also just like run dudes over. And like you know, we we had this discussion last week. Like to me, if you're telling me like if I'm an offense coordinator, would I rather play against an all-world edge or an all-world defensive tackle? I'm going with the all-world edge because I, I think the defensive tackle can just muck up your offense more. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of Week 10 takeaways, I feel like Chris Jones was arguably the best player on the field. He definitely mucked up the Jaguars' offense for a lot of their drives. I so. mean, they, they, they couldn't run the ball at all that day. I mean, what do you attribute that to? I know, I know the Chiefs, like, they have a weird front seven where they've kind of built, like, guys like who are primarily run stoppers above all else. But, I mean, did the Jaguars just get out physical that game? I didn't watch it back, so, like, I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel like it was – I mean, that might have been the case. I'm trying to think if, like, there was any, like, injuries. Like, if that was when Barch went out and, like – like, because, like, I, I would assume it was just, like, Jones would dominate against no. Shatley. Barch got hurt in, like, week four, I think, so. But you were close. Fortner was still young. I think it was just oh. that, like – Oh, no, I, I retract that, I guess. Jags ran 16 times for 75 yards, so – I mean, no, nothing amazing, but, I mean, their longest run from a running back was 10 yards. 
Well, yeah, I think it was just that like Fortner and Shally got out muscled a little bit. All right. Well, touche. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about like ways to stop Mahomes or Lawrence last week. Would you say there's like a way to stop Mahomes? No, I mean just <laughs> just hope that Correct. just hope that he's kind kind of off that day and kind of like he has games like that where he's kind of off and he's either just a tad inaccurate or. Th- like those turnovers, but I mean, there's a reason he's the best quarterback. Like he's he's going to go down in my opinion as the best quarterback of all time. I mean, dude's dude's a like terminator. You know, I, I quarterback. He he can do anything and everything. And I, I I mentioned this on the radio yesterday in like Kansas City, some station there. Like Mike Caldwell. You know, like it's like his entire like scheme and his entire defensive influence, you know, Todd Bowles, Jim Johnson, all that, it's to blitz the quarterback and put pressure on him. But you can't do that against Patrick Mahomes. So it's like, do you nope. be do you be who you are and what kind of guy you hear? Or do you do what, you know, I'm not going to say works against this guy, but works better than what you do. You know, it's like, because I, I feel like they're still going to blitz him. I feel like they're just going to be, yeah, they're going to say this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Their blitz rate has been like crazy the past few weeks. So like it's, I'm wondering if it's like that's who they are, or if like that's like just the quarterbacks that they face, and like against Mahomes if they're gonna drop eight. Because like one of the biggest storylines from last year's playoffs was about how in the Bengals in the AFC Championship they kind of dropped off a bunch of defenders and let Mahomes make mistakes and get impatient. So I'm sure like Mahomes has gotten so much better at that throughout the course of this season as he's about to win MVP for the second time. Yeah. So I'd agree with you that he's going to be the GOAT quarterback and there's no way to stop him. And it'll be interesting to see how the Jaguars uh, go about it. I mean, the, the only way to stop, like you said, is to hope for turnovers and to basically score every time you get the ball. <laughs> like like the, the, this is a game where the Jaguars are going to need, you know, at least 32 points, I'd say, to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Speaking of scores, you got a prediction? I do, but I want you to go first. Okay. Um, 35-23 Chiefs. 35-23 Chiefs? Yeah. I think the Chiefs are just, like, in a different class from the past five or six teams the Jags have played. And, like, I don't know. I'm I'm too, too nervous about them losing a close game, I think. And I'd be pretty shocked by a win. If they win, like, they're going to the Super Bowl. One billion percent, uh, but I think they're just in a different class. Got this is like my last seat to believe it game. Thirty-eight, thirty-five Jaguars. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. What do I got to lose? I set you up for it. Like, I don't have a reputation. What do I have to lose? You have any like game- specific takes within that? Like, I I, I, I going to go off again or I I feel like this will be one a Doug game against a secondary that you should be able to throw against. And two, everybody likes to forget it, like because Mahomes has been to two Super Bowls and stuff. But Andy Reid in the playoffs, man, his teams are super weird in the playoffs. And super just, weird. T- tell me, that I I feel a weird Chiefs game coming where they get ahead big, and then the Jaguars, you know, kind of fight back into it, and then they go back and forth until the final drive. Okay. And then so, yeah, I'm, I'm to the Bills next week. I'm kind of imagining just like the Chiefs, like the same thing as week 10, to be honest. Like the Chiefs get out to an early lead and then the Jags are like 
do a little bit of something and show signs of life, but Kansas City will be too much, I think. But the record state, who's a believer and who's not? <laughs> All right. We'll see. Uh, next week, we'll be back with the 30th edition of the Jaguar Report podcast. <laughs> Any last takes to fire off, John? Oh, man. 30, 30 episodes. Uh, my, my hot take of the week. Whew. My hot take of the week is anybody who has tweeted Brock Purdy, offensive rookie of the year, unironically, should genuinely serve a week of jail time. And I'm not talking county. I, I, I want pedited, I want federal. Federal. Federal prison. Yes. It's, the take's been out there for weeks is a scary thing. It's like not just after he won a playoff game with like fake stats. How many games has he even played? Six? Six or seven, yeah. Something, <laughs> some, something like that. And he, he's played great. You know, more power to him, but he's played six games, damn it. Six games. Who should it be? There's a correct answer. For offensive off- rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year? Alave. Yeah. Alave. Wilson has like way more touchdowns, but I think it's similar, so it's Alave. Alave, Walker, Wilson. I would say Alave, Wilson, Walker, but fair enough. I don't. I'm not that. I don't feel that strongly about it. Fair enough. I, I don't. I don't feel anywhere about. I. I, <laughs> I could not care less about. You know, like Trayvon and Devin Lloyd, like just like, they aren't in the conversation, and then Luke Fortner obviously isn't going to win. Offensive rookie of the year, to, to at least my knowledge. <laughs> I, I, have you placed a, a guess bet on Luke Fortner odds to win yeah. offensive rookie of the year? Especially not with uh, who's a Raven center, Linderbaum? Yeah. If, if a lineman was going to get votes, it would be him. I have no idea if he's good or not. I don't know. He got pancaked. Like, I saw one pancake in the Bengals game, so <laughs> – Dude. According to my watch the film meter, he's back. Do, do he's we think do we think Tyler Huntley tried that thing because he saw Trevor Lawrence do it? Tried what? To like jump over and reach the ball over because he saw Trevor Lawrence do it. What are you talking about? What did what did Tyler Chatley do? Tyler Huntley. Oh. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was thinking Chatley. Yeah, because like uh, apparently, the like design of the sneak was for him to go under and like to get pushed. And dude's so, like, like, I think one hundred percent, he was like, "Oh, that looks cool. I'm gonna do that." Dude's like six foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a respectable six one. All right. Uh, okay, and so are you. All right. <laughs> exactly. You gotta do six one because if it's six foot, are, it's too sick. Are you too six sketchy. foot? Six foot to six one. Okay. On my official trading card. Okay. I can probably verify that. Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to think if I have any hot takes. Come on, you gotta give. I, I think gotta, it's gonna be. A, they're gonna lose by more than ten. I feel like that's pretty hot. Get, okay, give me, give me a hot take on the performance. Who's somebody who performs well or who doesn't perform well? Come on, give me, give me something, guys. Don't 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 leave the people hanging. Uh. Oh man, I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to. I think we see more Corey Peter snaps. I think. Like, Corey <laughs> Pete, 
Here's the take. Here's the take. Here's I ask you for a hot take, and you say we see more Corey Peters. Now. Let it build. Let it build. We're gonna see Corey Peters, Shaq Quarterman, and Daniel Thomas all take defensive snaps in this game because <laughs> that's how bad it's going Wrap throughout the defense. Wrap this up. That that upset me. All right. Hopefully this video stream worked. Um, if not, you can oh, it, it, did, it, did, it didn't, by the way. Oh, it did? It did not? No, it didn't. It didn't. Oh. <laughs> I checked right, it when so. we were recording. Yeah, no, it didn't. Nobody could hear me. <laughs> yeah, oh. Yeah. Well, all right. Next week, maybe we'll have the stream up and running. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We're getting closer and closer. We're chipping away, John. We're chipping away. I had family members text me while we were recording. But I just, oh, God. I didn't know how to break it to you. You let it ride? All right. I didn't know how to break it to you. Maybe next week. Win or lose, we'll be back with episode 30. Thanks for tuning in. That's John. I'm Gus.